Two chefs walk into a bar, and then they cuss. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Catering WTF, episode 14, Chef Chats with the Mayor, otherwise known as Ryan Whitten. Welcome to Catering WTF. We're doing a podcast tonight with a fantastic friend of mine, Ryan Whitten, and we're going to go through some of the things that he's been through, some of the things that I've been through, some of the things that we've been through together, and we're going to have a conversation about his evolution in the culinary world. So, Ryan, what I want to talk to you about tonight is some things about you started in the catering world. You obviously moved to restaurants. And now you're at the top of your career or somewhat at the top of your career. At the top for where I am now. So start with what you do, how you evolved, where you started from, and how you came into being with, with us. Okay, that's a lot of ground to cover. Um... It's a lot of ground. <laughs> Hi, my name is Ryan Witten, and I am a local native to Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I've done some traveling over the years, which we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on, and uh, because we have to talk about Taste of the NFL, because that was a formative experience. Um, I know. For sure. <laughs> that's happening for oh, sure. Man, Facebook reminds me of all these things, and I'm like, oh, we used to have so much fun. Well, or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, was, it was a very intense work day. But we played hard at the end of it. Ended up going to uh, the Art Institute for culinary school after a year at Georgia State. And um, got a job at a small catering company called Chef William Neal Catering right up the road. Worked there for like three months. Quit for a little while due to school and then came back when they had announced they were closing. And I just happened to be lucky enough to merge into Fifth Group Restaurants. And uh, we were merging in with Bold American Catering. Never heard of the company. And <laughs> William told me to call Chef Todd and just tell him I worked with him. And uh, so actually, I think it was Micah answered the phone, Ifrid. It felt like you had an assistant. You were, you were this person that I couldn't get in touch with. And I could hear you in the background yelling at someone. And, uh, but that's how I came into Bold American. And I worked as a party chef for a little while. Uh, left and went to Switzerland. Got to do a really awesome study abroad for three months. And just kind of cook and do really awesome things. And experience a lot of great food. And then I came back and started working parties, worked my way up to senior event chef with, with Todd at Bold. And then while I was finishing up culinary school, I got asked to work as a uh, day, like a lunch line cook at Food Studio and was there through the closing of that restaurant. And then ended up going to South City Kitchen as a sous chef, moved over to La Tavola to work out with uh, Brent Banda as his sous chef, and then moved over to Echo. Spent about three years there. And then as our family grew, we had our first uh, child, Elijah. And my wife and I got married, decided it was time to kind of take a shift because I really loved restaurants. But, you know, your days off are. By the, by the way, by the way, fucking great wedding. <laughs> One of the best weddings I've ever been. That's a, just, just, that means a lot, though, just so coming you knew, from you. One of the best ever. One of the best ever. Yeah, because well, I, sang, I sang a song by Dustin Kensrew to my wife. and. Uh, that was a complete surprise, and she hates surprises. Um, a lot of really good friends, a lot of really good energy. Just a great way to start. So it's a, it's a, uh, it was wonderful. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, complete sidebar. But uh, so we got married. We had our first kid. Decided it was time to take a step. Wanted to move into the executive chef role, and I wanted to take control of where I was going to have that experience at. So I stepped into corporate food service and um, started running a B&I account, which is business and industry. Um, and it's just very different. You go from working nights, weekends, trying to figure out what the, the mass public is going to do around holidays to working Monday through Friday. Complete shift of instead of going to work at 11 or you know 1 in the afternoon and closing, you're, you need to be there by 6 o'clock in the morning. You need to be going, and that's it's a hard shift, but um, 
moved into that, spent three years at Turner Broadcasting, and then took a step uh, to where I am now, where I've been for a year and a half. One of the reasons that I took the opportunity at TBS was we were opening a food service place called The Market. So it was complete demolition and, and complete new construction of basically like food stalls and then salad bar and entree line. And we had catering in, in the building as well. And um, it was a really good challenge. Felt like I learned as much as I could from that opening. And then I moved on to where I am now, where we've got. Uh, well, let's take a minute and talk yeah. about that because that was tremendous. And, and not for our, not for me, not for catering, but the concept of building your own restaurants inside your own business was unique. Yeah. And it was, it was great. And when we went over there, because again, and you know this, that when there was a special opportunity there, they would bring in caterers. So we got to, occasionally we got to go there and, and it was fantastic. And the fact that you guys did that for just employees and the restaurants that you had, that you were in control of was pretty unique and uh, Turner did a really good job of building almost like an Apple, you know, how you feel about an Apple company that you would work for. So I was really inspired by that. Nice. Well, and, and you're a hundred percent right. So to give you like a, a mental picture of what you walk into, it's you walk in, there's a Jamba juice up front. And then when you actually go in, there's the grill, which is like a cook to order station, wood fire pizza station, a deli, with pre-made sandwiches in a big case and then made to order sandwiches, a station called trade that switched its concept twice a week. And then a full salad bar. I think we were the pride of the company with like 53 different ingredients. And then um, a full entree, like hot entree, two proteins, three vegetable sides, seven or eight composed cold salads um, where we changed the theme of the menu every day. And like the first three antipastas that we called them, those cold salads were always themed with it. Sometimes it was pastries, but it was a lot of different stuff. And it felt like the way they branded it differently, it felt like it was run by different companies, but it was all us running the whole thing. So um, I'm glad that you thought it was impressive. I'm glad it was inspiring to you because they really did a great job with it. And it very much presented that kind of Google, you know, like experience where I, I felt like it was an attractive part of being a new employee there. I want to, I want to come back to, to Turner later on. I got to tell you a story. Um, okay. but anyways, yes. So you guys would come in. Continue. Well, so yep. let's, let's pause here for a second. Cause this is a catering podcast. And so, um, catering in a corporate environment is much different than catering offsite. Um, where you said previously that, you know, you guys will, cook anywhere, anytime, um, in whatever environment, it's not that way in the corporate environment. Like catering is coffee service. It is tacos. It is an afternoon event. That's literally cookies, you know, like, or it's a 12 person executive NCAA, uh, dinner that you're actually one of seven vendors, you know, like it wasn't, we didn't have exclusive catering rights in that building, which was a challenge because it meant that someone could order burritos from Moe's and then come ask you for paper plates because they forgot to get them. You know, so you know that business is there, you know that revenue and that money is in the building on campus, but you can't get it. And so what we had to do was, it was a weird course correction because what was being done before we opened this concept was they were giving too much food. So you would order for 14 executives. And then you would expect 20 to 22 portions worth of food because people wanted to take it with them. And while that's understandable, the overage that you discussed earlier in, um, in previous episodes is true. Like you always build in a little pad because you don't want to say, well, I gave you 12 portions of salmon, you know, but what if, what if I under portion and I said three ounces was enough, but it needed to be four and a half, then that responsibility is on me. And this is lunch. And these are executives. Usually this is, a conference that's come in town, you know? So what I had to do was build trust and honesty there, which was not comfortable. A lot of times, like I had people call me and say, you know, come to the room right now, this isn't enough food. And we would walk through, we'd literally stand in front of the buffet. And I would say, yes, like I made this salmon and I gave you 16 pieces. You ordered for 12. You also have chicken. So doing the math here, 
you have this many ounces of protein for salmon, this many ounces of protein for chicken, and each person can have both proteins, you know, but just like kind of talking them through and getting them out of this mindset of it's this abundance and plethora of food, because the complete opposite is true in corporate environments. Like we've actually had situations where we intentionally made exactly enough to prove a point because they wanted us to provide food for 225, but they wanted to pay for 185. And <laughs> there's no BEO that says these guys are heavy eaters. You know, it's just people show up, more people show up, and then you're kind of in this position where you're stuck. You don't want to be the bad guy, but you kind of like clean and consolidate down. And then you have to very nicely say like, hey, I'm so sorry. That's all the food we have. It was a really weird shift in mindset, but it came down to an educational piece. And talking to the people who were booking the catering, which was one person, you know, like making sure that we, when we saw weird things in the BEOs, when the, cause the customer uses cater tracks, like you talked about, you guys use, but the customer is the person putting in the information. There's not that middle person liaison. Most of the time they're ordering through a cost center and they're putting all these requests in and you have to call them back and you have to say like, we really need to understand what you're saying here because this doesn't really make sense. Or if you really do want this, we're going to have to charge you a little bit more. This is how we would bill it. Um, it took about a year and a half. Right, right. It took about a year and a half of yeah, actually right. having those conversations. But what happened was we built trust through our product and we created experiences that um, the CEO for one of the divisions of HR actually lives in London. And for me, like, again, I'm, I'm from Atlanta. Like I've traveled to a lot of really cool places. I've been very fortunate to try a ton of different food and see people, you know, how they cook in their native countries. And for me, I'm like, dude, this guy lives in London. He makes a ton of money. This is like, you know, we're always on high alert when we have VPs, but it's the same concept as in a restaurant. It's like we would have the owners walk in and we'd be like, oh, this person's here. Don't make anything differently. You know, like you want to make sure that plate's extra clean. You want to make sure that that parsley is, you know, perfect, but you don't do anything different because they don't want a different representation of what you're doing. They want to see what you're doing and providing as a service to their customers. And for me, yes, it was correct. very, you know, it was again, that educational piece. We want you to make sure we want to, we want to make sure that you're confident that we're going to execute this event perfectly. Then you have to have contingency plans. What if the meeting breaks early? What if only half the people show up? You know, like there's all these different scenarios that you have to be aware of and drive that conversation only through experience. Though so we didn't know these things walking in, we had to learn, we had to go back and kind of remind ourselves. But we got one of the biggest compliments from this guy. He walked up to Maggie at the end of the event, and she's the executive assistant, the EA, the person who coordinates it. And he just walked up while I was talking to her and he was like, Hey, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you know, this was amazing. Like the food here, I wish we had food this good in London. And that right there, I was like, okay, that makes a difference. Like that's, that's huge. He didn't have to walk up and say well, that. Well, first, first of all, they're in London, they're in London, food sucks in London. <laughs> when I went, we ate at the Hard Rock so Cafe. So. Last week. Right. But here's the thing. What is, what is an EA? Executive assistant. Explain so what executive is. assistant is the liaison. They're the person who is in charge of, no, so, they're, so like you have an executive, right? The CFO of the company, that person sits in New York, but also has an office in Atlanta. So in New York and in Atlanta, they have an EA, an executive assistant that is in charge of booking their travel, their accommodations, their outings their events on campus, their meetings, their lunches, their beverages, they want to stock their cooler. They need to make sure, you know, it's all the, it's basically a personal assistant, but they're through the company that they work for. Right. VIP, Correct. super VIP. So, but you just, you don't change what you do. You just make sure it's polished. You make sure you pay attention to all the details. You walk the room before people will, you know, come in, which is always the a great idea, you know, set and ready on time is 15 minutes early. Right. But Sometimes you don't have that luxury and you're kind of piecing it together. But if your vision is polished enough and you paid attention to enough of the details along the way, then you end up with this really, really beautiful event that, you know, it may just be barbecue, but it's the way you touch the buns and present them. It's, it may just be like a weird dessert ice cream social. You know, that's what they want. They want chips and salsa for 300 people, but make it look nice. It's like, why do they want chips and salsa? Well, they don't have any money to spend. <laughs> you know, like that's the weirdest thing is 
let's have this event and we need to have some food, but we don't have any money to spend. So what can you do? Um, but that's what catering looked like at uh, TBS. And uh, do you have any questions? Did I miss anything? Well, some of my questions are, how did they work that from a sales point of view? How did you work with the sales team on these particular events or items so or this, whatever it was? Go ahead. Because as, as you know, in your history, because you've worked catering, yep. Pinterest, it's all those things. How, how, do, how do you deal in your particular situation with those type of, this is what we want and this is what our budget is and we can't do that? Well, so – the hard part was that wasn't in place when we came on. Um, they had kind of done some house cleaning and some things weren't really working, right? So sometimes you would have you'd have the luxury of having a conversation with the client directly um, or my front of house ma- manager, Alejandra, um, she did great. She was actually in catering at a different account before. And so she was really good about talking to the clients and she knew the questions to ask. So we kind of divided and conquered. You know, if it was a a client that I had developed a rapport with because the difference is that the clients you see are like, by the time that you feed them, that's the end result, right? This is their event and they're done. And you might get some repeat business or you might get some trickle down from people that go to this party. But I see these people five days a week. You may have a three day long catering for 300 people, but you also are coming over to the market to get lunch because you just don't want to eat that stuff. You know, so it's a very unique situation where you you have to gain their trust through repetitive excellence. And and what I mean by that is their salmon salad needs to be right every day. Simple. And it's a box of food. That's the other thing that's very different is we didn't have plates like we had plastic plates that we would give you for your catering in the room or every once in a while we would have an event where we'd rent China. But I didn't serve food on plates anymore. It was in to go boxes. And it's just a very different, like you're still plating the food, but it's in a three compartment box or it's in a brown, you know, craft fold top box. It's just a different thing. But, um, but to answer your question in a very long winded way, it's developing those relationships on a daily basis with people that are just normal people. They want food, you know, and, but you earn their money that's allotted to them in their budget through Turner um, or through whatever company they work for. And they choose to spend it with you. One other thing that I think is valuable to point out is, you know, when you guys at Bold were doing big numbers, you were saying like what, around 14 mil a year annually? Yep. We we were yep. a subsidized account, which is a very hard concept to wrap your head around. You're never going to make money. You have a budget and you have a cost that you're aiming for, but you have a contract. And so your subsidy is what the company that has hired you is paying you to manage their account and to provide a discounted food service to their employee at a very high quality. And so your burger should cost $10 with fries, but we've worked out a subsidy where it only costs $4.50. And so it's still a good quality product. It's just much more affordable for them to eat constantly. It's one of those benefits, right? And um, so catering... I mean, a good week in catering consistently was $3,000. Big weeks, the biggest week we ever had was $23,000. That's not much, but that was us cooking three meals a day and snacks for a 300-person conference on top of just regular business. So it's just a very different animal to walk into because we're used to making all this money and this revenue on these singular events. Um, It's a lot of just really, really hard days because there's multiple deliveries. And we, we were always really grateful for those bigger events because otherwise it was coffee and sandwich trays and cookie breaks and, you know, just small meetings. So it was a very different way to make your money. And, um, and then where I'm at now, we have a completely different model where catering is a break even budget. So as long as it, Break even. Well, what is break I know, even? Right? Because I feel what like we break even now as a catering company. So I feel like we break even now, and that's not no, our business model. But it, we don't want well, to break you don't, even. You don't have so, anything else to support you, right? And so, 
where I'm at now. We need a big, we need big yeah. parties. Well, for, for us, it's a balance, right? At the end of the day, it's one check that's written. And so it doesn't matter if your money is in retail, which is I'm an employee. It's lunchtime. I want to get my food. That's what I walk up to. Um, or I order through a delivery app going forward because COVID completely changed. Um, or actually, it's, it hasn't completely changed. It's accelerated what we were already kind of dabbling in. I can touch on that later. Um, but so catering is a break-even budget. So if retail is over budget, catering just has to come in a little under and help to balance that out. And then we also had a restaurant too, which was wrapped up in retail. But um, but break-even literally just means if if I know that I have $25 to spend per guest in cost, I can either choose to spend 20, make sure my quality is high and save a little bit of money to help retail, or I can spend exactly 25, bump up my quality or luxury of ingredients. Or if retail is killing it, if retail's having a week that's 20 grand above budget, maybe I'm going to spend more money because I have that money I can kind of borrow from retail. And now I'm actually going to put some truffles on a plate or I'm going to hand make the pasta and we're going to do, you know, we're going to buy pork shanks that are local and um, super high quality, or we've got in, you know, some, some crazy ingredient from wherever we want to order from, but it's, it's a different. And and how do you, how do you get that? How do you make that determination? Do you get to order that? Yes. And no. So we have one of the, one of the constraints that I had. Yeah. It's my, it's that's one of my favorite things. (laughs) I'm I'm going to tell you that. Uh, yes, yes. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And, yes. And absolutely. I'm free. No. So that doesn't. One, one of my close friends says, uh, play in the sandbox, you know, and it's like, you're just, you're choosing the size of the sandbox. So when I was at Turner, my sandbox was kind of small, right? I was not the biggest account in the area. Um, the aquarium was, and they, I mean, you can't compete with the aquarium. It's just a money factory, the way that they run it. Um, no, fucking, fucking Wolf no, no, no. Wolfgang's just the catering. It's the retail side of it, like the the burgers and the chicken fingers and the pizzas and stuff that you your one time guest is coming through the cattle call line to uh to eat. You know, you're spending fifteen dollars on a burger that costs them two at the most. You know, but you're you're yeah, you're yeah, a one time customer, and your kids are tired and hungry. They need to eat. They reap the benefits. So. Good for them. They do a great job managing without completely compromising their quality. You know, and the same thing, they balance because Wolfgang Puck is the catering aspect and then RA is the um the retail side of it, but they really do work together. You know, they they um make sure that they help each other kind of balance out the same way I'm talking about with my catering and retail. And um it's just it's a different mindset. But the way that I do it, and I learned this through a tough experience without being able to um, to make the impact that I wanted. I, I wasn't able to build the team the way that I needed for it to function for us to all be successful. But where I am now, I'm able to just talk to my controller and that person who's in charge of paying the bills, who's in charge of making sure that people's medical benefits are paid and payroll is done, which is a whole different side that you haven't even talked about yet. You know, that's, these are all these things that, in a smaller operation. Yeah, it's exactly, it, yeah, that's exactly what I do every <laughs> day. It drowns you, right? That's, there's a whole bunch of admin work, but it but drowns you can't you. let it go by the wayside because that's people's livelihood, right? Part of the reason that you. Exactly. It, it becomes a, it becomes a priority. Because yeah. it has to be. Because <laughs> if you don't, if you don't deposit the check to, or they can't go to the doctor, they're not coming to work tomorrow. Like it's just not happening. Yeah, pretty, pretty much that's how it works. <laughs> well, when I'm, but when you're in charge of all of it, it becomes mm-hmm. overwhelming. But that's one of the biggest things is, and we can talk about this later on too. But like, if if you don't care about your employees and people and culture, at least at base level, then those things are tra- they're they're apparent to your employees. Like when the fact that their money didn't go into their account and had a hiccup. If your answer is, well, you need to talk to payroll, it doesn't really help your situation, right? It doesn't create that loyalty and that trust of like, I can come here tomorrow. And if I do have an issue, you know, I don't have to have the answer for you, but I do need to care enough to get you to that place and then make sure it happens and then follow up with you, you know, like the next day, even if I know it went the right way, Hey, 
Did anything else happen? Did you get your check deposited? Are you good? You know, and then they're like, yeah, you know. Yeah, but that, ha- that happens on a small catering scale yeah. also. So anyways, so being in touch with my controller and actually having effective conversations, one of the things that we changed, which I am such a fan of, but it's the responsibility is much larger, but the reward for me is not having to spend hours of my week doing this, but um, inventory is like the biggest nightmare of any business. Um, you have you have to count it so that you know that people aren't stealing. You know that you're portioning correctly. You know that your your sales of your product match what you're doing, right? You don't want a case of tomatoes to sit in the corner for 30 weeks and then expire. You want to make sure you're rotating your inventory because the money you've spent is money you no longer have that you need to get back. And so we went to a sales versus purchases model. Instead of going around to each cooler and saying there's 70 pounds of brisket, there's 30 cases of egg rolls, I have 15 and a half cases of bacon. We just went to, this is how much money we made. This is how much money we spent. But it changes what your purchases are. So now I have to think three weeks out. I have to have my menus written or I have to at least know high dollar ingredients that are shelf stable or will last a long time or that I can freeze, which is not the first option, but it is you know a better way to preserve it than letting it sit for a while. I have to be that far ahead because if I'm making a hundred thousand in retail and a hundred thousand in catering, but I know next week I only have 30,000 on the books in catering and I'm going to go back down to 82 in retail, but my menu has some like duck on it or it has, you know, handmade noodles or I need to spend some money on some higher quality charcuterie or something. I'm going to make sure that if that money is guaranteed in the system, I know those parties are going through and retail is still like all these people are showing up to work and they are spending their money with us. I need to spend that money this week because I can't just run a lower cost and buy less and then next week run over and balance out. My money's available to me right now and I need to spend it because then next week when my sales aren't there, if my purchases are above my 50% budget, they're going to ask questions. And even if they don't ask questions, you just don't want to present a roller coaster ride. You don't want to go, if my budget's 50, I don't want to go up to 62 and then back down to 37 because I had a lower cost week. Like I want to be proactive and I want to have a, uh, some rolling hills. I want to go a little bit, you know, like 53, maybe we were 49, back down to 51. You're never going to be exactly perfect. So, so, how do you, so, so how do you do that? Because if you, if you can figure that shit out with me, we would be the best <laughs> caterers on earth. And that's why, that's so, why I am the newest member of the Scimitar Consulting Group. Please submit a request through our website <laughs> and we'll have point. a You're doing really good. Yeah. What a great point. <laughs> and we will have a free 30-minute consultation with one of our specialized uh, consultants. Uh, exactly. Now except for now we need Tim to, to help Don't us worry. do he's, that. He's always available. He's got, yeah, he's got, he's the, got map. the map and he's making baseball bats. So, so Odin Lumber Company, go buy one. Right. So doesn't matter. Plug. Motherfuckers making it. Baseball's not even. Ba- well, yes. No, we can use this. Tim doesn't give a shit. I can text Tim right now and he'll approve it. Um, so, so, so the way that you do it is you just it. It's annoying to your team, right? But if people internalize it, and it's something that I've been talking about with my sous chefs, because unfortunately, um, so fortunately, our partner and the client we work for was incredible. They paid everybody's salaries and hourly wages as if they were working for like the first three months of COVID because the hope was this is not that bad. It goes away. We can hold on to all the talent that we have to bring this program right back. That's not how it went. Oh, so, so did fucking yeah, everybody, you know, but, dude. But there were so many places that crumbled or so many places that you saw the true character and the true priorities and not to fault the company that employs everybody because people had to make really tough decisions, decisions I never want to be part of. I was very fortunate to have made the choices that I've made to get me to this location because I didn't have to make a lot of those decisions. And the people who did make those I, decisions, I am, the per- I am the person making those yeah, decisions. And it's tough. I don't, I don't envy you, man. It's, it's hard. And that was the deal. Yep. Pivot. That's a word that nobody Make wants to repeat now, but I, I want to, 
Yeah, nobody wants to. No, so so you have what, like uh, three or four listeners now across the world? I I actually have seven <laughs> listeners. Across One the of them is your mom. And now that I have you, now that I have you on board, I'm probably going to have about twelve <laughs> listeners. And that's my mom. Hi, mom. Um, <laughs> no, but the, the reason that I asked that question is because I don't know who's going to hear this, who's going to listen to this, when they're going to listen to it. But what you need to hear, if you were in the food service industry during this, is you did a good job. You did a good job, and it sucked. And, but seriously, I mean, I don't, I had to make choices. Everybody had to make choices. Everybody got put in positions they never wanted to be in or never imagined. I remember standing, talking to my supervising regional chef in the loading dock. And we were like, I don't know when I'm going to see you again. Like, I've never said that. Like, it's literally like, oh, I'll see you next week. Or, you know, you'll be here on Thursday. Like, this is the first time that the wheels just stopped. And we are in an industry that just goes. We are, when we're younger, we pride ourselves on it because we're physically capable of doing it. Then it catches up with us. Then later on, we either figure out how to make it work for us or we still do it and just, you know, work in a restaurant or work alone, you know. Um, But if you went through it and you were in the food service industry, you did a great job. So let's pick ourselves back up and go. Correct. If you if you've made it through now, you're yeah. good. So, anyways, that was a dumpster fire. That was the. <laughs> so we always get a Christmas ornament every year, right? And it kind of like represents what the year was. So, like some years, it's a pig with a you know. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. Back up. Who gets my a family, Christmas ornament? My wife and I. Okay, not from no, your not from business. my business. So we always get a Christmas ornament, right? And then we usually write the year on it. But this year we didn't have to because the Christmas ornament had the year on it, and it was absolutely perfect. It's a little ceramic ornament, and it says 2020, and it is a dumpster on fire because that's exactly what that year was. Um, and we saw it, and we're like, yes, we're buying that right there. That is the ornament, no questions, going on the tree. Um, but anyways, so yeah, you need to keep that. So what is catering? look like going forward like you said right now it's a tsunami of people just booking and coming back and getting okay so here here, here's here's the deal with catering right now catering for a year has been on hold yeah right it's on hold and that's the best way i can say it it's like calling into your computer is fucked up and you're trying to call somebody in India to help you and you're on fucking hold. Only it's been a fucking year. That's kind of what it's like. And then all of a sudden the answer now is, yep, we're good. Everything's good. There's a vaccine and nobody fucking gives a shit. And in South Carolina, they've, relinquished everything so now it's like opening the doors to uh tsunami so now all of a sudden we're we're going to do more parties than we've ever done in the history of crew now that's saying something because i've done 14 parties at bold so i get it they've never done more than three parties at crew now we're doing 12 parties. Okay, that, that's, that's a insane. problem. So how do you manage that? How do you figure out who's going to work it? How do you train people? We have, we, have no, we have nine staff right now. I need 75 staff. How, how does that so, work? Not just right now, you know, but that's a, that's a problem you always face though, right? It is a problem we face in general, and in the in the years before this, before COVID, it was a situation where shit. We need people, right? I mean, you yeah. were there. You know, we just get we just get people, <laughs> so that's fine. But now, I can't just get three people or ten people. Now we need seventy people. Okay, that's a different ball game. Because it's nothing, and then well, everything. and then you still have you have to compound that now with uncertainty, right? 
you can go out and do whatever you want, but not everybody's vaccinated. You should probably still be socially distanced and wear a mask, but just go, go out and, and work, right? Now you need to find all these people to be comfortable enough to get into these environments. That's, it's like right. trying to find double right. that. So, You're trying to find 140 people now, not trying to discourage you, but you know, that's where we are. <laughs> no, that's, that's exactly. <laughs> Cause I'm going to go exactly. through the same thing. So, so, correct. So where are you? So they're, they're, everything's about to come back full force. But, but we're waiting. So we're where waiting. are you? How many employees, how many employees zero. do you have? I have zero employees. I have five sous chefs and two sous chefs that work in separate locations that have been there since last June when we came back physically into the building. The reason I say I have zero employees is because all of our hourly associates were let go. Like they were furloughed. And then when our financial year rolled over, we just couldn't continue to carry the cost of, you know, what the, the company was paying into their healthcare because there was no date. But now we are literally just saying, you tell us the day and then we will work three months backwards from that. So if you say that the day is August 1st, we're going back to May and we're going to start on May 1st and we're going to start hiring. But who's going to be ready to come back? we're not going to get everybody back and we're not going to get certain people because, you know, it'll be a situation where you can have people that are able to come back to work. It's not that they don't want to, it's that they may not be able to all the way or in the same capacity they used to. So for us, it's just, we're, we're waiting, you know, and, and right now we have to present different business plans. We have to say like, if you tell us two weeks, this is what we do. If you tell us three months, this is what we can provide during that time. We can slowly step up and we can kind of communicate back and forth and say, like, we're at the point where we can push 40%. We're at the point where we can push 50%. This is the menu we can offer. You know, now we can open on this station. So it's. I don't, I don't have that. No, you don't. <laughs> but that's where I'm at. So. And luckily I've got a team. Of what, what you're lucky. You know. I don't, I don't have that fucking opportunity. Here's what it is. It's, it's go time. Yeah. So. So we all know it's, that's it's coming that and it's going to be tough, here. but so maybe let's, let's talk about, we do that anyways though, right? It's back to my point of like, you've always needed a ton of people on one day, but you don't need them the other five or six days, right? If they're your good people that can kind of step into a situation of like, like when you have a stir fry station at a wedding you're not putting your lead party chef as the attendant for that stir fry station. You're putting your lead chef in charge of the whole party. And then their job is to take this random person that they've probably never met. Maybe they've met, maybe they don't. You have to assess someone's skills. Right now they have not met them. I promise you. (laughs) But you have to assess their skills, their comfort level, their ability to talk about food. I have not met them yet. Maybe in a parallel universe, but um, but it's a it's a it's a situation you always face, right? And so I think that one of the things that I wanted to talk with you about is because you mentioned this, you you're the star of the shit show, right? But it's you're in control of how bad it is, and what I mean by that is it's all how you phrase things. It's all how much you make someone look polished or professional or give them enough training or the right phrase to say to be successful in that situation and make the person who's there eating who's some random guest feel like this person is a regular employee of yours. And that's hard to do, man. I was able to walk into a situation, assess people's skill levels and rally people. Right. And it's a weird skill to be able to have, but it's something that's helped me be successful in different situations because it's not always two parties with 40 and 80 or a hundred people. Sometimes it's you cooking as a job interview and you aren't just putting food on a plate. You're being assessed through every movement from the moment you walk in to the moment you leave your sanitation, your knife skills. Do you follow the house rules? Can you label appropriately? Do you label your product or do you leave it on a tray for someone else to put away? And it's one of those things where like, did I make as much money as my friend? No. But what I did was I created a career skill set and something that I could take with me somewhere else. And it, it made it like taste the NFL. Now we're back. We're, we're, we're going into taste the NFL. 
Taste the NFL was so much fun because we met people, right? And there wasn't that responsibility. Like you were part and you had a job to do. But then we just got to kind of hang out. Like, didn't we go by like cowboy hats in Texas at some point when we were supposed to be setting we, up a we station? Did. We, we did do that. <laughs> but the reason we did that is because the job we had was done. And we had, we checked all the boxes. We double checked each other and we're like, let's go buy 10 gallon hats. And then we came back and our job was still done. Nobody really missed us, but it's because that's what we did normally. The reason the job was done is because I made sure the job was done. That was the Yeah, difference. thank you. I, a good job. I was there early. I, was, <laughs> I did all that shit. I had to deal with fucking Gina and all the bullshit that went on with that. We love you, Gina. So I'm the, I'm the bullshit catcher. You, did, you, you were <laughs> a great sifter because we never felt the brunt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I did. That's my special power as a like X Men or something else. That's but what you're I have. also. It's you're not, also the reason. It's not longevity. It's not like a superpower. It's I just take shit, and then when I filter it, it comes out as a beautiful fucking song to the rest of the. Correct. People. It's purified. That's purified drinking water at that point. It's great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I take shit water and do that. That's the uh, way it works. So. so that's my special ability. You'll love this because my analogy for you, since you mentioned X-Men, is you are Magneto for shit. Yes. That's what it is. Yes. I attract. But you're also Ian McKellen, which brings in Lord of the Rings and we're good. So, Correct. So it so all works out. You know, if you circle around, circle <laughs> around. Yeah. It's the fellowship. Anyways. Yeah. So, but we had a we had a great time. So that's that's part of but the it thing I want to talk right? about. I want to talk about I want to talk about some of the early parts of your career. Okay. Because I remember trying to get the minutia of William Neal coming into catering and I had he basically said I have to bring four employees and one was lauren one was pinky <laughs> one was and Mike, one was yeah you. and me that was it that was the, we were the only people that were there yep that was the three and we had to it was forced it was like part of the deal was you're you're coming on and i fucking love pinky to death and she was great and i love you to death so it worked out, and even Lauren did great. You know, I love Lauren, so she was great too. But it was like we got three really good people out of that that all learned, and it it was crazy how that whole thing started. It was, and it was it was a, it was a shit show when we started, <laughs> but. Do you know why you got the best people? Why did we get the best people? Because everybody left. And I left. Like, school was picking up. I had some little, like, side cooking gigs that I wanted to do. And I left. And then once they announced that the company was closing, everybody quit. Because they're like, we have to find a new job. Like, we're going to be unemployed. And so... Just because the company announces they're closing doesn't mean all their business is taken care of. Like there's a certain amount that's merging in with you in the new company, but those events in the in the no man's land in that limbo still have to be executed. And it was literally just Mike, myself, Pinky, and Lauren and William. That's all that there was. And we had some of the best times in those last three weeks because Mike called me and he was like, Hey man, like I know that you had some issues earlier with the executive chef, but he's gone. And we need some help. And so the only reason that I ever met you is because my buddy, Michael Kudelka called me and said, we need you to come back. We need you to help us out. No one's here. It's just us and William. And then I remember when William like brought us up to his office because all we were told is we were closing. And so we're just working it out. And then he's like, Hey, I'm merging in with this company. This is the person who's in charge. You guys don't have to call, but I put in a good word for you. And so we all we all actually had the option to not continue, 
but luckily all of us did call. So I think Pinky ended up working at Latavola a little bit, and like she was a monster in the kitchen. She did such a great job, and she was such a zany person, and just like Pinky is from Pinky in the Brain because she literally was like narf all the time. That was like hey, that was exactly was. what her personality was, but it was like the best thing ever, right? And it was the best. And she's a nut, but she's very much herself. And she was able to come in and like, she was the person that like, if you were at a chef attendant station, she would like grab your arm and talk to you about the pasta they're making. And it could be like SpaghettiOs, but she'd make you feel good about eating it. You're like, oh, this is fantastic. I'm going to go eat these SpaghettiOs in the corner. So very, very luckily I fell into it. Yeah, very luckily you fell into it. And you were fucking fantastic. And the other thing is... I think you learned something from her and learned something about your own personality because that's why you're the mayor. Like you fucking talk too much. (laughs) You meet people too much. You do things too much. I do. So you do, but also you fucking save the day. And I've had multiple, multiple situations with you where you've saved the day. By communicating, by talking to people. Hey, I need help with this. I, I will never forget the time when we were in Tasty NFL, and I'm like, I need a drill to do the dry ice. And I'm like, <laughs> I I don't know where we're getting that. You're like, I got it. I know the guy that runs the hotel that's the assistant yeah. manager for the th- things. It's His like, name was Tim. What the, who the fuck? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do you know that? You're fucking dumb. Well, because – all right, so it's not hard, Chef. It's just you have like, what is it, 12 generic names, right? So everybody's either Chris, Bob, Steph, Diana. Like there's just everybody's name the same thing, right? You just have to remember who that person is, what they do. And then you just – it's like playing Clue. You're like, I need a drill. Tim's in the basement, and he is in the maintenance room. He probably has a drill. Let's go get him. Um um, then there was that time at the Greenbrier that I didn't wake up on time. What you fucking... <laughs> oh, that, that, oh, that's on my, that's on my that's, list. That's Bo's fault. That's Bo's that's fault. That's on my list. Sorry, that I'm was blaming Bo the... for that. Your, I, your exact words were, you thought that you could keep up with an alcoholic? And I was like, what? Because <laughs> I didn't know Bo that well. And he could put away some beam, and I could not. So it was the absolute worst. <laughs> it was the absolute worst. Your goddamn <laughs> fucking phone alarm went off for uh, an hour. It did. Yeah. Yes, I was you guys thought I was dead. No, I left to work, but I almost put that shit in the fucking toilet. <laughs> uh, I got a, a call from the hotel. That was not a not a good place to be. I had to apologize to Nancy. See, and how do I remember Nancy's name? <laughs> See, that's what you do. So my you favorite should, thing about you should remember Gina's name. Because that's I the do. one. Gina Bear, dude, Gina's amazing. Um, we had so many good times, and she took me on so many like cool trips with her to just go do like random cooking events. We would eat like tortas from the back of a taco truck in Alabama. Um, so thank you, Gina, because you were very pivotal no, she, in my development. She's the fucking shit, man. Well, and let's if if we're talking about why I act or why I know people, Gina is Gina's the mayor. Like Gina's the person that knows everybody and she knows high powered people. Like she's like, Oh, Bobby Flay, yeah, I've cooked for him. Or I've made his you know, Dude, his recipe six thousand times. Like Yeah. Like there's no one she hasn't met. People know who Gina is. Gina walks in the door and you know, people people know who she is. You don't like what? walk in and assess the room. She just goes straight to it. So Correct. But why does she know people the way she knows people? I'll tell you why. Because she gets young stud kids who are talented and good, and she supports them. Mm -hmm. And that makes the next great chefs so she's already involved with them. And that's crucial Mm -hmm. to success. All right, so you're part of the, you're part of the, uh, you know, system of trials. So you're put, yes, congratulations. You're like one of the vaccines that we're trying. Yeah, you're the beta vaccine. (laughs) I I am the truth. I want to say thank you as well because 
exactly what I said in my little post on Facebook. It's one thing to work for someone. It's another thing to actually like work with them and be in their company. So thanks. Means a lot. It means a lot to me too. Well, I'm glad. I just, the second thing is I just like you as a friend and, oh, okay. <laughs> and I, I don't have many of them. So it's the friends I do have are very important to me, even though I don't talk to them a lot. Just like you sent me that text message. I think about you all the time. You, Kieran, some of my other friends. It's it's very important for me. And I should do better at that. And I don't. And I suck at that. And I'm going to work to get better at that. But you have, I'm pointing the finger at you, you have actually been answering your phone more and responding more. It used to be like uh-huh. weeks before I could get in touch with you, which I understood. But like literally it would be like three weeks I'd hear nothing and I'd have to call you again. So you're actually like, you respond the day of, and um, you sent me an email, which is weird because you never do that. Um, and you'll leave me voicemails sometimes. So you have improved. Give yourself credit. I am. I'm trying. It's so I'm, yeah, well, it's also Steph who fucking crushes me because I'm a loner. I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but that's what I would prefer. But it's important. No, I'm like, I, you know, I'd rather just, Give up work, retire, play Dungeons and Dragons, and call it a day. <laughs> Listen to some music. One, one day, one day you'll be able to. Yep, play my harmonica and be done. There you go. Thanks for listening to Catering WTF. We'll be back next week with more Talks with the Mayor. Until then, keep your boots on the ground and have a good week. See you next time. sponsors looking for a fun podcast to advertise on send them our way until then check out social media our website and our patreon page see you next time